Let's read through uh, Psalm 26 together. A Psalm of David, vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord, I shall not slip. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. For your love kindnesses is before me, is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. I have not sat with idolatrous mortals, nor will I go in with hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash my hands in innocence, so I will go about your altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and tell you all your wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not gather my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men. In whose, hand, in whose hands is a sinister scheme, and whose right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be merciful to me. My foot stands even in an even place. In the congregations, I will bless the Lord. This is, you know, as we read here, a Psalm of David. And uh, there, there, are, there are many other Psalms that kind of take this theme. And you know, the real thing about the Psalms, I mean, just... Almost about anywhere you are in life, oftentimes, you can find a psalm that, that talks about that place, you know. And uh, this is one of these psalms where you see David, the, the author here. He, he's, he's in a place where he's, he's done the right thing or the godly thing, uh, uh, especially, it seems, with dealing with some individuals, a situation here. And as a result of it, there are individuals that uh, are attacking him. And uh, he's talking about that here. Along the way, we see the fact that he's not just saying, and we'll, we'll get into this here in detail, he's not just saying, vindicate me because I've walked in my integrity and just uh, in a blind sense saying, you know, because I take this position and they take that position, of course I'm right. It's not that. We see him in here, you know, uh, asking the Lord to examine him. He's saying, you know, from, from my viewpoint, Lord, I've walked in integrity. I've strived to do what's right, and it hasn't been well received. Now there are individuals that are hostile towards me. But, but in this psalm, he's saying, I, I, I want to make sure that's the case, so examine me and prove me. And then, again, throughout of it, he is asking for strength, for protection. He's asking the Lord to keep him from falling into the hands of these individuals that are adamantly opposed to him. Well, Ecclesiastes rightfully says there's nothing new underneath the sun. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.10 But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, which persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. And then verse 12. And again, he says you followed this, you've walked in integrity. In verse 12, then he says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And this is what David's talking about, this persecution from living godly. Paul's saying here, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And this psalm was written 3,000 years ago. This epistle was written a few thousand years ago. Notice verse 13, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so a thousand years before Timothy wrote this, we read about Paul, or we read about David suffering for his desire for living godly in Christ Jesus. 
Paul is encouraging Timothy, listen, this is a normal thing. If you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to suffer persecution. There's going to be opposition. You're not going to be celebrated at every turn. In fact, Jesus Christ says, woe to you when all men speak well of you. That's what they did concerning the false prophets. And then we're told here, he doesn't say, but, you know, this is a special generation. And as things, you know what, uh, grow old and more time goes by, there'll be less and less of this. He doesn't say it, does it? It says, you know what, to Timothy 2,000 years ago, you're going to suffer it. David's talking about suffering it 3,000 years ago. And what's, what about for us today? Evil men and apostles will go worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So there's been 2,000 years for evil men and apostles to grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned, being assured of, knowing from, which you, knowing from whom you have learned them. That from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And so as we read this psalm here and we read about David, this persecution for doing what's right, there's a lot for us to glean from this. Uh, and, and again, the call to walk in integrity, the call absolutely to ask the Lord to examine our heart and not fall into that place where it's like I'm a Christian so I'm right at every turn. And then to know that, again, in the midst of these things, we can cry out to the Lord. We can bring it before Him. We can get that, again, let's clean up from here. We read here in Timothy. And then let's even know, again, we're reading about David. But man, this, I think, I don't want to say all the more, but knowing what it says here, evil men and apostles will go worse and worse. In that sense, all the more, we need to put this before us and glean from it. Let me ask you tonight, do you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus? Can you say amen to that? I mean, I, I would hope, you know, you're out here tonight, uh, you know, for that reason. You, you want to you live for the Lord. And, you know, we're gathered here tonight to encourage each other in the Lord and to praise the Lord and, and, and to get ministered to by the word of the Lord. So this is for us here tonight. Because, again, uh, there's going to be just in life in general, there, there is a spirit of antichrist in this world that, that, that is opposed to the things of God. And then there's going to be situations and circumstances and such that come up where, you know, we're put to the test. What are we going to do? Are we going to fear men or are we going to fear God? Are we going to do what God has for us or, you know what, do what the world expects us to do? Uh, and listen, when you take stands in those things, there's going to be attack. And, uh, you know, what, a, what an appropriate psalm for us. So. Let, let's get, we, we read through it. Let's come up here to the first verse. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I've also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. Now, to vindicate someone, it means to, and this is like a, a, a dictionary definition, definition, to clear someone from blame or suspicion, to show or to prove to be right, reasonable, or justified. So, so David is saying, Lord, uh, clear me from this blame or suspicion that is being uh, hurled upon me from this group that is opposed to the stance that I have taken. So the, just the fact that he's asking for vindication, it's, it's evidence that there has been an accusation. And again, we already read here that evil men are going to grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And in that, in the context here, again, it's if you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to suffer persecution these individuals that are opposed to the Lord and people walking in that, they are going to bring accusation. I mean, we look around our culture, there's all kinds of 
accusations being brought against the body of Christ and followers of Jesus and God's word itself. And let's remember, though, in the midst of this, and even as David talks about individuals, let's remember, though, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. Satan is, you know what, basically a, a master puppeteer because the world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And these accusations, they ultimately really come from the enemy himself. Um, but as, as we talk here about the vindication and so forth, just an encouragement right off the bat because maybe you're here and this is already just hitting home where you are right now. Uh, what a good word on how to ultimately overcome these things. And it's incorporated here into the psalm, but scripture we're familiar with, Revelation 12.10, then I heard a loud voice uh, saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of Christ have come. And notice what it says here, for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And really David here, this this vindication that he needs is coming from accusers, and those accusers, whether they knew it or not, were under the sway of the wicked one, as we read in 1 John. And we read here the time's coming when the accuser, who even right now is accusing us night and day before the Lord, and as I say oftentimes, he doesn't even need to make stuff up, though he makes stuff up too. Um, but verse 11, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. And just the fact they were covered by the blood of the lamb, again, their testimony was, I'm covered by the blood of the lamb. And if you're covered by the blood of the lamb, it means that you have, you know what, given your life to Jesus Christ. I don't love my life. I want the Lord to take my life. And so the testimony is we are born again and we are victorious in Jesus. Now, notice what he says here. He doesn't say, show me how to vindicate myself. And I think this is huge. He says, vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. Get that in your heart, your head tonight. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. He doesn't say, Lord, O Lord, show me how to vindicate myself. He doesn't say, O Lord, bless my defense campaign. Has anyone ever had a defense campaign? Have you ever tried to vindicate yourself? Now, listen, obviously, uh, the scripture doesn't uh, prohibit us from when someone asks us what's going on to, to, to be able to speak truth. We need to be careful in that because sometimes in defending ourselves, what we're really doing is attacking another individual more than just say, hey, this is kind of what's going on. Pray for me or whatever else. So we need to be careful in those things, and I think most importantly, again, we know that we're in a world that, that is, is very much dominated by a spirit of antichrist under the sway of the wicked one. We, we are told here, if we desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, we'll suffer persecution. There's going to be oppositions and so forth, and boy, you're going to get tired really fast if everywhere you turn, you're trying to defend yourself. I mean, Jesus, when he went to the cross, didn't defend himself. You know, and he knew it was part of the will of the Father for him to go to that cross to die for our sins. And as this, is as this is written here, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We need to know this is part of the will of the Father for us. He says, you're going to suffer it. 
Brian read that verse. I know the plans I have for you. Give you a future and a hope. That's offered to non-believers, but as believers, listen, we can anchor our hope in that. I know some people say, well, that's for Israel. Well, listen, I'm part of spiritual Israel, and so are you. And we got a future and a hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the context of that was, was Israel going into captivity. You're going to suffer persecution, but I'm going to give you a future and a hope. And again, we have that in the Lord, and we need to know that he says, you will suffer persecution. And as part of God's plan for us as followers of Christ, hear this tonight, it's part of his plan for us. If we want to live for the Lord, part of his, is part of his plan is that we suffer persecution. That's part of his will for us. It, it's, it's, it's part of his design to shape us and to mold us and to build our character. And oftentimes it starts with little persecutions. And have you noticed, oftentimes it will, the next time it's a little bit more, a little more intense and so forth. Because he's building your faith. And, and, and I want to be careful in what I say, but we are so soft in the West, a little persecution. Listen, that's something that, that in a lot of ways we need to thicken our skin and soften our hearts and sharpen our faith. It, oftentimes it's a gift from God. But let's make sure when it comes, you're going to get tired Defending yourself continually. And David says, you vindicate me, Lord. You're the one that clear. You, I ask you to clear me of blame and suspicion. I'm asking you to prove me right, uh, to prove me justified. I, I love what David said in Psalm 17. We looked at it a, a, a short while back. In verse 1, he says, hear a just cause, O Lord, attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. And I love verse 2, he says, let my vindication come from your presence. Let your eyes look on the things that are upright. In other words, I'm not going to run around trying to vindicate myself. Let it come from your presence. And I think it's kind of twofold here. Let it come from your presence, you vindicating me with your presence. But I think maybe more than that, it's let it come from your presence. And David saying, I'm going to be before you in your presence and let my vindication come from seeking you, from prayer, from being before you. So again, we're going to suffer it if we desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. Let's say, Lord, you vindicate me before, instead of us running around trying to vindicate ourselves. And a lot of times, let me let you on insight here. When you're running around trying to defend yourself and vindicate yourself, usually you know what you look? You look guilty. <laughs> Listen, if you're vindicated, if you're right before the Lord... I have to tell people at times that accuse me of things and so forth. I, I go, you know what? You're entitled to your opinion, whatever. I know, I, I know where I am in the Lord with this. I, you know what? I'm not going to stand here and defend myself. No need to. I'm not saying I always do that. Sometimes I, I start a defense campaign, but it, good things never come out of that. And again, the Lord will vindicate his own. Um, listen, justice prevails in, in, in God's plan. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And, and part of vindication or vengeance is vindication. And he tells us that throughout the word. Uh, Romans 12, 19, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it's written, vengeance is mine, I'll repay, says the Lord. And, and part of our vengeance, oftentimes we want to avenge, is because we want to be vindicated. In fact, sometimes that's more of the desire to be vindicated than to heap vengeance, but they're very related. 
Now again, he says, for I have walked in my integrity. Integrity, it's the, the quality of being honest. It's having strong moral principles. This is kind of the, again, the English definition. Um, and David says, I've walked in my integrity. Now a key in this is making sure that your integrity is under the umbrella of his integrity. Because there's a lot of people that, you know, they say, I have morals, but those aren't biblical morals. And, uh, you know, I have principles, but they're not biblical principles. I mean, in this postmodern age, it's, you know, it's, our, our young people have been brought up under the lie of your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth and your morals are your morals and mine are mine. Don't you dare judge my morals or my truth. And so let's really look at this in context. I have walked in, in my integrity. We know in context here, David's talking about walking in integrity according to the word of God. And again, we'll get more into this. We really need to take that to heart because even as Christians, we can be tempted to fudge the book, so to speak. And it's like, yeah, I, 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 I have a, a set of, of morals that I uh, push on everyone else and judge everyone else by, and then I got my own set over here that look different. And if someone outside of my tribe is in a situation, we handle it this way biblically, but in my own tribe, we handle it completely different. And then notice what he says, I have also trust in the Lord, I shall not slip. And this is David encouraging himself in the Lord. We kind of, we looked at this uh, Sunday after, you know, they came back to Ziglag and all the women and children have been taken captive. And it says the men talked about stoning him and he, he, he encouraged, he strengthened himself in the Lord. You really see David doing this, vindicate me, O Lord, I've walked in my integrity. And this is a praise to God, but it's also you know, in a prayer to God, but an encouragement to himself. He's ministering to his own heart. I have trusted in the Lord, I shall not slip. Because no doubt David, in part of this, is being tempted to go try to vindicate himself. To start that defense campaign. And he's stepping back and he's saying, no, I'm not going to do that, Lord. You vindicate me. I know I've walked in integrity in this. And so I'm trusting in the Lord, and in trusting in the Lord, I'm not going to slip. And let me tell you tonight, when you walk in integrity and uh, accusation comes against you for that, Satan loves whispering in your ear, you're going down, buddy. And the world loves whispering, you're going down, buddy. And sadly, at times, our own heart even whispers, you're going down, buddy. But David stands in the Lord. I trusted in the Lord. God's going to undergird me. God is going to hold me up. It's the picture of uh, the man who built his house on the rock because he applied the word of God as Jesus talked about that in his ministry. Now notice verse 2, and this is huge. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. If we're going to say, vindicate me, O Lord, I've walked in my integrity, boy, we had better first make sure that we have examined our own heart. Because just to say, listen, I'm right in this, I'm walking in integrity, that's a stinking bold statement to make and yet there are again there are individuals and we can all be tempted at times to say of course I'm right because I'm always right we may not say that but that's how we feel right we need to be honest with ourselves we don't always walk in integrity there's times when 
we aren't honest or upright. And if you're the exception for that, listen, I guess you didn't need a savior to die on the cross for you. So he says, examine me, Lord, prove me. Make sure I'm not lying to myself here because I know myself and I know I can lie to myself. I know what I'm capable of doing. I know that I'm capable of, of twisting things to, 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 at an angle, leaving out certain facts and so forth to make myself look right when perhaps I'm not. And perhaps I need to go before you and ask you to forgive me and to wash me. And so he's saying, search me, O Lord, prove me. Try my mind and my heart. Really, he's basically saying, run a test. Try my mind. Uh, see if the water, so to speak, is, is pure or polluted. And then show me. And listen, especially when we are in the midst of deep trials and so forth, it's important when when, you know, we're agonizing through things and so forth, that we're in the Word of God and we're saying, Lord, show me as I read the Word the things you want to show me. I found God, found God does that. Open my eyes if there's things I, I just need to see. I mean, is it better to be, to win the argument with a man and be deemed by the crowd as being the right one? Or is it better to be vindicated by the Lord and for the Lord to know you went before him and just said okay Lord I want to be honest and real in these areas I've fallen short forgive me and 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 then with the rest of this listen if there's vindication that should come out vindicate me verse 3 for your love kindness is before my eyes I have walked in your truth and listen the only way to really walk integrity with any integrity it's with the Lord squarely before us I love Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We got our eyes off Jesus. We're, 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 to get our eyes off him and to... to, to not follow him, that in itself is not walking in integrity. And so maybe you're here tonight and just saying, yeah, man, I'd like to be able to pray that, but I know I've, I, I don't have a lot of integrity. How do I even get that? Get your eyes on Christ. Get in the word of God. So you're reading the word of God. Get your eyes on God. Commune with God. Fruit comes from Christ and abiding in Him. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And then notice what he says, I have walked in your truth. He didn't just say, I know your truth, but I've walked in it. I've applied it. In the midst of these trials and situations, dealings with these individuals in the situation, I've applied the truth of God's word. And that's a wonderful place to be in. Not just, well, we know some scriptures about this, but I know that as this unfolded, I sought the Lord and I, and I, I walked in what God prescribed in the scriptures. We want to be able to say that. And maybe you're in a place, a situation, and so forth where you can't say that. Well, that's easily changed. Bring that before the Lord and be honest with them and just say, Lord, I, I haven't done that. Practically. So, Lord, I lay that down before you. God, wash me of that. And now strengthen me to begin to walk in, in, in what you have for me. Let me go out and begin to, to operate in your word and in the instruction in it. And, and the Lord loves Empowering that, you know that? 
The Lord's pleased when we step out in faith. That blesses him. Verse 4, I have not sat with idolatrous mortals. Sounds like something a superhero would say. (laughs) Nor will I go in with hypocrites. Now, again, there's a big difference between ministering to unbelievers and, as David puts here, sitting with them. Because sitting here in this context, it implies deep fellowship and agreement in spiritual matters and in matters of morality with the world who doesn't know the Lord. And that's far different from ministering truth and being salt and light amongst people in a fallen world that need to hear about Christ. Um, Again, if we want to walk in integrity and uprightness, we need to be careful of the influence around us. 1 Corinthians 15.33, and really in the big context, this is about false teachers, but there's application across the board, but we're told there, do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits, or evil company corrupts integrity. Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. And this is really David really examining himself here. Examining me, O Lord, and he says, I have, I've had your love kindness before my eyes. I've walked in your truth. I haven't sat down with these people. They haven't been influencing me. It's kind of like he's going through a checklist. So I've not sat with idolatrous mortals. And then he says, nor will I go in with hypocrites. And let me tell you, hypocrites are way worse than idolaters that don't know the Lord. Because hypocrites are in rebellion when they actually think they're upright and in line with God. Or at least they put out the appearance that they are. And hypocrites love making disciples of themselves. They're very self-deceived and their masters, whether they know it or not, it's at spreading spiritual cooties. We'll put it like that. There's, you can be in a church setting, in a Christian setting, and if you're not careful, be surrounded by individuals that don't actually apply the word of God, and that can begin to greatly skew your view of things and how you live your life. 1 Corinthians 5, 6, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you are truly unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let's keep the feast not with old leaven, nor with the leaven, notice here, of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Or in other words, listen. Purge out this wickedness from amongst you, this malice that has an appearance of being upright, but it's full of malice and bitterness and wickedness. Otherwise, it's going to start affecting you whether you know it or not. And then 2 Timothy 2, 16, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Again, we're told that false doctrine will increase more, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenius and Philetus of the sort, Paul's naming names here, with no apology. These guys are spreading false doctrine. I want everyone to know who they are so that you don't fall into this place of fellowshipping with them and that, have that to affect your walk with the Lord and your integrity. Verse 5, he says, I have hated the assembly of evildoers, nor will I sit with the wicked. So not only does he say up here, I don't sit with them. He's saying here, I I hate their evil ways. He's not saying I hate them, but I hate their evil ways. And 
again, another area to examine ourselves. Romans 12, 9, let love be without hypocrisy that we just talked about. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. And I really think the only way to hate evil is to love truth. To be a lover of truth, to be a lover of the word of God. And listen, the only way to love truth is to first know of know the, 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 the one who gives truth, Jesus Christ. And we're told in the word of God that he says we love him because he first loved us. So there's a solution here. If you're saying, I, I love evil though and I hate truth, but I want to hate evil and love truth. What's the remedy? Well, we go to Jesus Christ. He demonstrated his love for us on the cross so we could have forgiveness and come into a relationship with him. And through him changing our heart, giving us the Holy Spirit, a, a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, now we can genuinely say, I love you, Lord. And then out of that, begin to grow in his truth. And, and the more we know him and abide in his truth, the byproduct is a hatred of evil. Because see, the more you know truth, the more you realize how evil evil really is. There's a lot of people, they don't know how evil, evil really is. When the Bible says the wages of sin is death, they spiritualize it, and indeed it's spiritual, but listen, sin destroys. It ravages. It tears stuff up. It breaks things. It's, it's a time killer. They say, what do you know? You're a pastor. What do you know about evil? Oh, man. my goodness, man. I thank God that I'm, I'm saved by his, by his grace through faith in him. I, I've been in a, in a position that's in some ways unique. Not a lot of people have, you know, I mean, there's, that are in, in, in the position that I'm in, and this isn't in any way boasting or anything at all, but I've had the fortune, or I should say misfortune, of just Seeing a lot of evil and from angles of the underbelly and the behind the scene that others don't see because it's masked because it's amazing what's told to you as a pastor and what you have to deal with, that you have to get involved in if you're going to be a shepherd. And let me tell you, evil and sin, it is horrendous what it does. And it's all the more we don't want to take it lightly. And there's times we have to deal with it even when persecution will come out of it. Even when there's misunderstanding. Even when on the surface it's easy to blame, you know, cast blame um, because everything's so surfacy. But in the underbelly it had to be dealt with. And I pray that we would grow in hating the assembly of the evildoers and not wanting to sit in that and, and to shun it. Uh, not hating people. Even having compassion on them. And in fact, the more you hate evil, the more you'll have compassion on the people that practice it. Because you know how evil evil is and how much damage it is doing and how deceitful it is and how these people need to be rescued out of it. We got to see past the, this is since pleasurable for a season. It, it is. We're uh, truthfully, and we know this. It's pleasurable for a season, but that evil just destroys. 
And how sad, you know, and even tonight, so many people enjoying and practicing evil, but it's just, they're injecting their soul with pure poison that will damn them to hell if they don't call out on Jesus for salvation. And listen to this as well. This is a bonus. Hebrews 1.9. The Bible's full of bonuses, you know that? You have, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you, listen, with the oil of gladness more than your companions. See, the call to hate evil and love what's good to some people, like, but, but evil's pleasurable. I enjoy evil because I get a thrill. I get endorphins released and just, dude, we're going to trip out. Again, it's pleasurable for a season. Anyone that says it's not, let God be true and every man a liar. The Bible says it is pleasurable for a season. But the end of it, again, is death. And we have to die to our flesh because it's drawn to it. But listen, we need to be encouraged that in, in loving what's good and hating what's evil, there's an anointing and an oil of gladness that comes, and it's even more, again, than, than our companions have that, that aren't in that place. There's a joy found in, in, in loving what's good and hating what's evil. And in fact, if there's a joy not there, then it's most more likely you're being a Pharisee than actually loving what's good and hating what's evil. And you need to ask the Lord to examine your heart. Because <laughs> that's actually as evil as walking in evil, if not being more evil than being you know, at a self-righteous giver of laws that God has not given Verse 6, I will wash my hands in innocence. I will go about your altar, O Lord. I think a couple ways of looking at this, you can look at this as David saying, listen, I'm washing my hands knowing they're innocent, so I'm going to go about your altar. Maybe more appropriately, as David's saying, examine me, O Lord. Listen, yeah, I got a little bit of dirt on my hands, but I'm asking you to wash it because I want to come to your altar. And praise God, Jesus tore that veil in two so we can come to that altar and be washed. Verse 7, I will proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all your wondrous works. And um, I think a key in doing that and watching, walking in thanksgiving is what David's talking about here. Again, walking in integrity, but Lord, examine me, prove me. I got some dirty hands, Lord, wash me of those things. Um, I want to be able to proclaim in sincerity the thanksgiving, thanksgiving to God. And, and I want to make sure I'm not walking in hypocrisy. I want to walk in the joy of the Lord. And really, you know what? Uh, you know, in the proclaiming of God's wondrous works, David doesn't say just to a few, but no doubt even to those that are blaming him. We need to proclaim his wondrous works even to our accusers. Amen. I mean, we're saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're already vindicated in Jesus Christ. Again, do you know him tonight? Can you say amen to that? Amen. You're vindicated through the shed blood of Jesus. So now do I need to be vindicated with these people who don't know the Lord or with hostile Christians that aren't walking with the Lord? I'm already vindicated from him in his presence. And so oftentimes we spend all our time wanting to defend ourselves at our defense campaign and it gets in the way of declaring his wondrous works and his gospel to a world that needs to hear it. 
Verse 8, Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. And notice here, I've loved the habitation of your house, indicating that, that David had been in the house of the Lord. I, as I'm examining myself, I can say, yes, I've been in the house of the Lord. I've been in the presence of God. As he's just trying to say, where am I at? And, and, and when we do that, if, if it's like, I haven't been spending time with the Lord, that might be a clue of maybe what your fruit really is. Because Jesus said, again, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The place where your glory dwells. And again, there's, there's, there's no greater glory than his glory. And we have the privilege in fellowship with him to, to, to dwell in his glory. Listen, we're dwelling in his glory tonight in the sense of we're praising him and we're rejoicing in the work of the cross and his word. What a wonderful thing. Verse 9, do not gather my soul with sinners nor my life with bloodthirsty men in, in whose hands is a sinister scheme whose right hand is full of bribes. See, some of those conspiracies, they're actually true. There's some sinister schemes. I think, again, a couple ways of looking at this. Looking at this, don't gather my soul with sinners nor my life with bloodthirsty men. And that could be taken as David knew what he was capable of. He knew he was a sinner. He knew that on his own merit, his soul would be gathered with sinners and be judged. So, Lord, don't gather me in, you know what, with these individuals. Wash me and forgive me. And at the same time, Listen, keep me from falling into their hands because he knew what God-haters were capable of. I know what I'm capable of. Lord, forgive me. Don't gather me into that judgment. And then, Lord, I know what people who hate you are capable of because that's who I am outside of you. Don't throw me to the wolves. Keep me and protect me because there are sinister schemes that they are plotting. And again, there are sinister schemes. Again, the world lies under the sway of the wicked one, and, and Satan is sinister, and his ultimate goal is to keep people from going to heaven with Jesus Christ. And you better believe as we see this, you know what, global unfolding of events and so forth. We refer to Psalms 2 oftentimes where it talks about the nations plotting vain things, and they're going to throw off you know, the bonds of the Lord and so forth. Ultimately, what that is about is... is Again, snuffing out the gospel of Jesus Christ. All the more those of us that have been delivered through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should desire and want to be a light to a, to a, 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 a Mad Max sort of world spiritually. It's much worse than even what those types of things look on a big screen of an apocalyptic world. Spiritually, it's much worse. It's a desolate land full of dangers and tar pits and monsters and villains that people need to be delivered out of to have forgiveness of their sin and eternal life in Jesus Christ. Because the stuff in this life, again, someone said once, I don't know who the first person to say it was, but they were right on target when they said, for a Christian, this is the closest thing to hell you'll ever see and for an unbeliever this is the closest thing to heaven that they'll ever see and hell is beyond anything that we can even begin to fathom verse 11 but as for me i will walk in my integrity redeem me and be merciful to me and i like this david is saying i've walked in integrity i've asked the lord to examine my heart and i'm going to get up and i'm going to continue to walk in integrity i'm not going to take the bait 
we're called to be fishers of men, right? Well, Satan is the great uh, imitator. And he loves to fish too. And he loves to take some bait to get us to come out of integrity and throw it out there. And I've taken the bait before. Has anyone ever taken the bait? I'm going to walk in integrity. I'm not going to take the bait. And then he says, redeem me and be merciful to me. And I love this because you don't see a self-righteousness in David. And at the same time, David is being truthful. And when you walk in integrity and you've asked the Lord to examine you, listen, the enemy wants to come and accuse you. And yes, if there's things we need to lay down for him, let's lay down before him. But when we walked in truth and uprightness, that's okay to say, I've walked in integrity. The Lord won't let my feet slip. My confidence is in the Lord. And then again, on the other hand, David knew who he was. Redeem me and be merciful to me, Lord. I walked in integrity, but listen, I need your mercy. Because without your mercy, I ain't going to take another step that's going to be full of integrity. And I need your redemption. I need for you to redeem me, to purchase me out of sin into eternal life. And that's what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. And then finally, verse 12, we'll close on this. My foot stands in an even place. In the congregation, I will bless the Lord. An even place. It's not out of balance. I think we just kind of talked about balance of I need the mercy of God. At the same time, I'm not going to discount the work of God in my life. The balance of the scriptures. It's easy to get out of balance, isn't it? It's easy to take a verse out of context. We don't want to do that. I think this is David just saying, I'm, I'm standing on the rock. God's, the, the rock of Christ is, is balance. It's not all at an angle. It's, it's, a, it's a cornerstone. And then he finishes in the congregation, um, I'll bless the Lord. There's accusation coming against me, but my response is, Lord, you vindicate me. What am I going to do? I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to praise God over here. Again, verse 11, but as for me, at the end of the day, that's them, that's their life, their accusations, their opinions, their persecutions. But as for me, I'm going to say, Lord, redeem me, be merciful to me. I'm standing on the, on the rock of Christ. As for me, I'm going to bless the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. A lot of application for us here. I hope this has been an encouraging word. An equipping word. Hopefully it's been a correcting word. I know I need correction in these things in my life. I want to be corrected where I'm wrong so I can walk in integrity and the joy of the Lord. Can we say amen to that? You're like, amen, you need to do that for sure. (laughs) Lord God, we bless you tonight. We praise you. Lord, what a blessed time of fellowship tonight, God, worshiping you. prayer, your word. Oh, thank you, Lord, that, 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 that this is the most relevant book in the world because it's living and it's active. Listen, if you're here tonight, you haven't called upon Jesus Christ. The gospel's been talked about tonight, the good news. Good news comes with bad news. Otherwise, it's just news. And the bad news is we've transgressed God's law. We are sinners. God is holy to be in fellowship with Him, to spend eternity with Him, we have to be perfect, and we are not. He is a just judge, and we are 
under condemnation. We've been found guilty. The good news is, though, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came into this world. He lived a sinless life. And as we talked about redemption, he went to the cross of Calvary to purchase you through his shed blood, through the laying down of his life. He died in your place. He took the wrath through you upon himself. And as the wages of sin is death, death means separation. It's separation from God. Jesus Christ defeated death when he rose from the grave and has made the way to be right with God and to be in relationship with God. The Bible says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that means you turn from whatever your Lord is, and we all got one, and we ask Jesus to be our Lord. We want him to rule our life. We want him to direct our life according to his scriptures. If you don't know him, call on him, and he'll save you tonight. Absolutely, he will. Again, Lord, we just uh, thank you for our brother, Brian, and Lord, his wife, Sue. And uh, we thank you for even, even just... You know what, a, a dessert out there. Bless our fellowship and the rest of our night. We pray these things in Jesus' name and we sit together. Amen. Amen. God bless you.